Hello everyone, Angela Peart here and welcome to the Women's Utilities Network One for All podcast, our corner of the world where we will be talking all things utilities, careers and everything in between, equipping you with the knowledge and skills you need to build a long and lasting career. Enjoy! Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of our wonderful podcasts. I'm Penny Randall and I'm an advocate for the Women's Utilities Network. I also work at EDF in their industrial and commercial department as a marketing executive. In today's episode, we'll continue to focus on routes into industry by exploring the current landscape across the utilities sector. I'm really happy to be joined by such a knowledgeable expert in this area. And so it's my pleasure to introduce you, Louise Parry, Director of People and Organisation Development at Energy and Utility Skills. Louise, welcome to The One Podcast. Please tell us a bit about yourself and the fab work that you do. Thank you, Penny. And what an introduction. Thank you for that. So how did I get into the sector? When when I left university, I was a little unsure as to what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I joined a graduate programme for an organisation called Remploy. Remploy supports disabled people into employment I ended up on a placement in in personnel, as it was called back in the the late 90s, and headed up one of the divisions for a period of time and took a leap of faith into regional operations, supporting disabled people in employment across the West Midlands. I then had quite a, a varied career. I moved into a number of specialist roles. So I did employee communications for a little while, disability projects. And I moved back into HR for the corporate functions as my last role in that organisation. I had a little bit of time working for myself. So I did a HR consultancy for a little while and joined the energy and utility sector in what I thought would be a reasonably straightforward HR role working for energy and utility skills. Energy and utility skills are a member-led company. We've got over 60 members across the UK, including E.ON, EDF, National Grid, all of the water companies and their supply chains. And and we help employers in the sector attract, develop and maintain a sustainable, skilled workforce through a range of specialist services, including the development of apprenticeship standards, industry training schemes and the delivery of endpoint assessment. Since joining the organisation 10 years ago, I've led organisational change in response to the change in strategy for, for skills from the government really adapting to to those changes, changing our business strategy to to do that. And following the workforce renewal and skills strategy that was launched over three years ago, I was promoted to the Director of People and Organisational Development. And that now incorporates responsibilities on diversity and inclusion for the sector. And I took the lead on, on that two years ago, working with employers across the sector to deliver the sector's inclusion commitment. Thanks, Louise. Um, as today's uh, focus is on routes into industry, it's, it's great to hear a bit about your journey um, and how you found your route into the utility sector. So I've been looking at the um, Energy and Utility Skills webpage. Um, I really like a reference on there to the fact that there's 65 million people who rely on the sector. That's a lot of pressure. And in an ever-changing industry, it really highlights the need for the right skills to evolve along with the change. What role and skill set would you say the sector is lacking or, I guess, in need of the most? So energy and utilities companies are at the forefront of delivering a 10-point plan for a green industrial revolution and to achieve our net zero targets in in 2050. So it's a really exciting time to be part of the sector. The sector employs nearly 587,000 people at the moment and around a third of those are in skilled trades. 
In the energy and utility skills renewal strategy, we anticipate 277,000 vacancies by 2029 and development economics research undertaken on behalf of National Grid found that to get the UK to net zero, the energy sector alone must recruit for 400,000 jobs by 2050. Across England at the moment, 25% of the sector's vacancies are due to skill shortages. That's a little higher in the energy sector, and we're seeing this continue to increase. Skill shortages are mainly felt across engineering and craft person roles, but also some very specific technical skills that companies are finding it really difficult to recruit for, including complex analytical skills, such as problem solving, even basic numeracy IT skills, and they're, they're well required for the sector. Clearly, our sector employs a, a very wide range of skills and skill levels. And when we look towards the future, there's a great opportunity to, to work in the sector in areas like commercial, customer service, digital, management, leadership, communications, complex analytical skills. They're required across a wide array of job roles. So they're, they're not standalone roles. So you might need commercial with engineering roles, digital with craft roles. So skills are not siloed as, as they used to be in the sector. And, and when we look across the different industries in gas, we're looking for technical engineering, quantity surveyors, project managers, empower, again, engineering, including commissioning, instrumentation and control. In waste and recycling, we're looking for site managers, landfill managers, maintenance. And in water, we're looking for procurement specialists, civil engineers, instrumentation and control, chemical and process engineering and scientists. So there's a really vast amount of opportunity and a huge array of skill shortages at the moment. Wow, there really is. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, with Net Zero at the forefront of company strategies, it's important to have the right skills and across the workforce, the right ability to kind of achieve their targets. Um, do you think there's a, a right balance between bringing in skills through both apprenticeship and graduate schemes, as well as sort of upskilling and training employees internally? Yes, the, the sector has a really great track record of investing in training. It is, after all, a, a very safety critical industry. In upskilling, in, in promoting existing employees, there are vacancies that are going to need to be backfilled. And this is where the recruitment of younger people and, and those from disadvantaged and underrepresented groups can be focused. And then we start to train and upskill those and, and the cycle continues. What we can see is that the 16 to 24 population are much more ethically diverse than the population as a whole. They're much more tech savvy, certainly my children are. And they're very keen on, on green and socially conscious issues. And our sector can be a great fit for those. And the sector's graduate and apprenticeship programmes provide great training and opportunities for advancement and for careers in the sector and actually, a number of the senior people I've met in the sector started out as apprentices, including my, my former CEO. What surprises more kind of interest um, from the younger population to join the sector um, as there's much more of an appetite uh, and, like you say, social conscience um, for people coming, coming out of school and university. Um, so moving on, I guess, um, it's well known that the utility sector um, lacks women applicants or, or struggles to retain those that do join. Um, do you think there's enough diversity and commitment from the sector to change this and to close that gap, you know, and encourage more diversity within the workplace? Oh, you're absolutely correct, Penny, in terms of the, the sector lacking women applicants. 
Last week, we published the latest demographic data for the sector and, and women are making up just 18.3% of the sector's workforce. And over the last three years, we've seen actually that decline slightly. Encouragingly, though, we, we are seeing the numbers of women increasing in water and in power. And we've seen some really exciting appointments, including some female CEOs in the last couple of years. The sector recognises it has a long way to go in the workforce skills strategy that I've referred to a couple of times. The sector CEOs do detail their commitment to having a workforce that's reflective of the communities the sector serves. And to this end, 46 sector employers have signed up to the sector's inclusion commitment. They are committed to action and working together to share best practice. And, and that's underpinned by some real practical principles, and that's about the sector working collaboratively to drive change and challenging ourselves to do things differently, sharing best practice and delivering sector priorities. This is underpinned by five real practical principles, and that's about the sector working together as a sector to drive change in challenging ourselves to do things differently, share best practice and deliver the sector priorities the sector is focusing on inclusion in its entirety, but the sector history and the data that we've just talked about, we are targeting sector action about increasing gender, ethnicity and disability in our workforce. We are committed to measuring and being transparent about progress in our own individual organisations and as a sector. But it's all about really ensuring that we've got a culture that we need to attract, develop and retain the, the workforce of tomorrow and being inclusive in, in all that we do. Uh, sounds like there's some great stuff going on then. Just a, I guess, follow-on question from that. As a result of kind of all this, uh, all these plans and uh, kind of progress that's happening, are we seeing an increase in women coming into the sector and staying? Yes, we we can see that. We're seeing that lots of women are interested in joining the sector. So, energy and utility skills runs on behalf of the sector. Energy and utilities jobs. And over 56% of the visits last year to that site were from women. So, there's a great level of interest in the sector and into jobs in the sector. But from the sector's inclusion measurement framework, we can see that only 24% of applicants to vacancies in the sector were from women. So we, we do have some work to do in terms of, of changing the attractiveness of the sector for women. But what's really encouraging is that from that 24%, actually 27% are successful in being appointed. So it's perhaps demonstrating that women have been actively encouraged to apply for roles, so they're not applying initially, and they've been encouraged to do so. And, and when women do apply for roles, the likelihood of being successful is really, really high. There is, as I've talked about, lots more we can do about sector attraction, and there's some great examples. Thames Water have reviewed all of their job adverts and profiles to make them more appealing to women, and with real great success in the levels of women that have entered their operational roles. And I've already talked about a number of the chief execs appointed in recent past who were also female. That's great. So it sounds like statistically you can see um, women are applying and being successful uh, into roles, but perhaps there's still a long way to go. So next question. Um, one, have created a, a trusted forum um, to provide women with the right networks and support tools for development um, to grow within the sector. Do you see enough being done by other companies internally to create sort of similar networks and support growth for their female employees? Well, first of all, women, women do provide a, a great forum for women across the sector to, to learn from each other, to share experiences and to access those 
skills, knowledge and tools to, to progress in the sector. The, the growing numbers of employers that are partnering with one partly demonstrate increasing sector commitment to the development and progression of women within their organisations. And what I do see quite extensively across the members that I work with, there is active encouragement for female colleagues to participate in networks like one. There are many of the sector employers who do have their own women's resource groups, working parent groups, and aligned with, with the findings from one, they do also have women-specific development programmes, leadership development programmes, recognising that there are some of our development needs that differ to, to men. Women do still leave the sector. That's not unique to, to us, and, and we do see it particularly in engineering-related roles. The Royal Academy for Engineering Research, which I attended the launch of a, a year or so ago, shows that over 50% of women leave engineering by the age of 45. And from their research, that's not for reasons of us becoming mums or, or carers, but it is due to culture and progression. So there's a great role that one can play. And culturally, there, there is still a great deal more for the sector to do. And that is an area of focus. It's great to hear that um, companies are, are supporting their, their female workforce um, uh, to grow uh, within the sector and I agree with you it's really important to to be a part of a network um, such as one um, to be able to sort of grow and develop yourself and, and part of a forum that you can sort of lean on on other people within the networks. Before we finish um, we can't avoid a question about um, I guess work and life adjustments uh, related to, to coronavirus. Obviously the climate has meant huge change to ways of working and, and companies adapting. Um, how has this impacted on, on people's careers? Hopefully it is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity but it's also yeah. not, not to go back to how it used to be. For, for many roles the requirement of attending the office or the workplace five days a week or more has, has gone the sector is widely accepting of flexible working, where a two-hour commute would have put women off. And maybe there's no longer that requirement, at least for, for every day. I'm seeing many of our members recruit outside their normal operating regions. In some examples, I've heard them recruiting into Europe. We are working flexibly in our hours, in our location, and we really can open up opportunities for a diverse population to join the sector and, and play that role in delivering net zero. It's great. It's good that um, some good has come come from this, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I agree. It's um, it's definitely going to make it a lot more easier to to apply for roles perhaps you couldn't before um, for location or <laughs> um, circumstances like at home, etc. So that concludes our questions then for today's podcast. Um, Louise, thank you so much for taking the time to join. It's been incredibly insightful. Thank you, Penny. And it's great to continue to be involved with the great work that one is doing. Thanks once again to Louise Parry for joining us today to talk roots to industry and share her insights into the current landscape. It's positive to see that there is development across our sector in both diversity and skills gaps on our net zero journey, but there's still more to be done. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and do give us a like on LinkedIn. As well as regular podcasts, one also run a regular events programme. Please follow the Women's Utilities Network on LinkedIn to find out more. Thank you. Bye-bye.